When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with it's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, the Consequence Podcast Network. I'll say hi to all the subscribers, all the new subscribers. Thank you for hitting that button whenever that happened for you. Uh, if you haven't already given the series a rating or, or left a review or just said hi where you're listening from or something you liked about one of the uh, most recent interviews, uh, please take that moment. And if you're not a subscriber, now is that chance as well. We put out interviews multiple times throughout the week, and uh, and we'd love to keep you up to date on all of those and all of your favorite artists and uh, what they're talking about these days. You can do that anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc., etc., I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Jamila Woods. She is back with a brand new record, came out a little bit earlier this year, called Legacy Legacy. And it's got such an interesting concept to it, which she is going to tell us all about how she intertwines her own history, her family's history, as well as the inspiration and and sometimes even the biography of some of her heroes. In fact, every song on the record is named after one of those heroes. And we'll hear about tracks like Basquiat and Miles and Muddy and Octavia. She's going to give me some education on Afrofuturism, which makes the time travel nerd in me very happy. And how some of the guests fit into the narrative of this record. Uh, Nitty Scott, Saba, Nico, Seagal, The Mind, Jasmine Fire are all on the album. An album that she even includes a bibliography in the liner notes for because of all the research that she put on this. It is such a unique project. And I'm so honored to talk with Jamila about it. Talking about the album Legacy Legacy, it's Kyle Meredith with Jamila Woods. Hello. I, I don't know how I can give you enough compliments on uh, on Legacy Legacy because it's such a powerful, uh, outstanding, and uh, and while I know the the themes are heavy, it's a really fun record to listen to as well. You know, congratulations on on everything that you've been doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I know there is a big concept to the to the album. What prompted mm-hmm. the the whole idea? Where where did the idea start from for you? Well, I started with a the Giovanni song kind of in a place of just trying to write new music after having toured heaven for a while, my first album. And I, I teach young people in Chicago. I work at a nonprofit um, that does poetry with high school students. And I teach this program every summer. And one of the prompts we were, we teach Ego Trippin' by Nikki Giovanni a lot. 
And one of the prompts we do with students is to have them do like a cover of another poem with and, you know, write a poem inspired by it. And I kind of decided to do the same thing, but with a song. So doing a cover of Nikki Giovanni's poem, Ego Trip, and one of my favorite poems, and trying to write that poem the essence of that poem, but apply it to my own self. It's a very like self-celebratory, self-affirming poem. So kind of just writing a braggadocio song um, inspired by Nikki Giovanni was the first one. And then I kind of realized that it, it always helps me to have a prompt when I'm writing anything. And so I think I was like, okay, let me just see how many songs I can write named after people and how many different ways I can approach that idea. So I I ended up kind of writing Muddy next, and then I revisited like an older song that had started a long time ago called Baldwin. And after a while, I was just kind of like, oh, I, I think this could actually evolve into a project. I was initially just thinking maybe it could be an EP, something to get me writing in between, but it kind of evolved into this bigger idea that really is paying homage to artists who have influenced me and allowing me to kind of write these self-portraits of myself through the lens of each of each of the people. I, I got to say, in, in an era where it seems like everything's done, I can't name another time where this has been specifically done like this. Like, I think you came up with an original, unique idea, which is... Thank you. Yeah, sort of incredible, uh, I feel like, these days. So, as you're explaining, um, the you, you have these heroes in, in mind... But the songs aren't about them exactly, right? I mean, they're at the basis. They're still about you, or or how did that work? Yeah, I think it's it's a definitely, I guess, a combination because whenever you like, whenever I look at an artist, I'm partially seeing you know the parts of themselves that were public or were in their art or in their writing, but I'm also partially like kind of uh, projecting what I need to get from them or what what I relate to them based on my experiences. So it's kind of this idea of, like, for example, Eartha Kitt, there's that viral video of her kind of from the documentary where she's talking about how she doesn't want to compromise in relationships. And so for that song, I was kind of like, wow, that's such a powerful idea. Let me just like borrow that energy and apply it to my life right now. And as if like I had just sat with her as a kid and she'd given me all this advice about love and relationships. And now I'm like walking out the door like, OK, this is my mindset for today. Um, so if that kind of makes sense, it's almost it's, it's kind of like a really cool way to kind of sit with the spirit of each of the artists and thinkers and really think about like, what have they given me? And I didn't want to do it the same way every time, too, because that's another thing with like coming from a poetry background. We always say like, you you don't always have to enter a poem through the front door, so you don't always have to like have the same approach to 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 telling a story. And so for one song like Giovanni could be a cover for the Eartha song. It's kind of like having that spirit on my shoulder as I'm writing. For the Miles song, it was almost like I was trying to write almost like a persona, like if I was taking on um, his voice and how he spoke about like his art and then. For Basquiat, like I watched a lot of interviews, so sometimes it was inspired by a quote that I heard people say um, in interviews. So it's definitely a combination, but very rooted. The thing that I wanted to make sure is that I was having an authentic connection to to the person so that hopefully that, that helped the songs feel more like they, they had more depth to them to just being like about the person. 
you know, one of the things I, I really love about the record is, is without knowing you personally, without knowing your family's history, when you are talking about family history, it's almost a mystery if you're talking about your own or if you're talking about the artist or if it's an intertwining of the story. I mean, it's really well mm. done in that way. Thank you. Is there a story that also goes along with the music? Like like a song like Basquiat, you know, it's like some of the music almost sounds like what I would imagine his paintings would sound like. Or, or if you're taking on a song and calling it Miles Davis, do you try, or calling it Miles, but do you mm-hmm. try to represent that in the music as well? That's a good question. Um, so it, it, it varies throughout the project, but Basquiat is one of my favorites because it was really, um, my band was sound checking for this festival and they started playing essentially Basquiat, like the first half, like how that kind of like jazzy, like bass um, part, they were playing that and I just started voice recording it and instantly I heard the melody in my head that kind of hook like are you mad yes I'm mad I didn't know the words yet but I was kind of like singing that melody in my head and then it wasn't until I watched the Basquiat interview and I was like that's what it is it was almost like the song came to me before I even knew what it was meant to be about and I do think that kind of reminds me of in videos I would see of how Basquiat created he'd have like the tv playing the radio playing a bunch of stuff around him and that's kind of how my I feel like that's how my brain works sometimes. It's just like needing all of this. You're collecting all these things and having all the stimulus around you and then somehow synthesizing it into something that is cohesive. Um, so that that was a really organic way that that came together. And then we ended up sampling the first half of the song in an MPC machine later to make the second half when the beat changes. So that one was kind of just like organic that way um and sometimes it would be more intentional like for octavia we spent a whole day me and my the producer slot a we sat down and we were like okay you know he didn't know that much about her so i was telling about her science fiction writing her afrofuturism kind of ideas and um i was like i want this song to sound like outer space and so he created the beat with that in mind um sometimes i think you can really hear that like on sunra it was a similar thing and miles it was kind of the opposite he had that beat already made and it just the energy of it even though there's no trumpet in it or anything it's not really jazzy per se it was just kind of the energy that just kind of badass energy of the drum beat <laughs> that reminded me of miles davis it's it's absolutely there. Uh, like Muddy, though, I mean, the, am I hearing right? I mean, that feels like a blues riff sort of going on, you know, kind of like a, a compromised mm-hmm. blues riff. Again, yeah, that was that was one I was already made, and it reminded me of Muddy, even though I thought that was a guitar in the beat, but it's actually, there's no guitar, uh, there's wow. no guitar on that whole song. It's a bass being played, so it's kind of funny. Does, does Muddy Waters mean something extra being from Chicago? Yeah, I actually, um, that song, I, I was kind of given the assignment to write a cover of a poem about Muddy Waters and this, this whole book of poems about Chicago by Kevin, Col- by Kevin Colville. And so, yeah, he was going to cover one of my songs and I covered one of his poems. And so that's how I came across it. I always knew about Muddy Waters, but I didn't know about that particular moment when he came to Chicago and, you know, he was playing in these bars and people would be talking loud. And that's when he first started playing electric guitar because he wanted his music to be heard over people. And that's where that first line, like, people won't shut up, comes from. So, yeah, I, I think it was a cool 
process for me to learn more about about him through writing the song and then also watching interviews with him talking about the ways his music was appropriated and the ways that kind of issues that are still going on today in music to hear him articulating those same things about blues and you know in a whole different time period was really impactful to me and 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 you did so much research in this that Mm -hmm. you included a bibliography in the liner notes yes i wanted to just i always loved like the process of listening to music and hearing a name or hearing something referenced that i didn't know and looking it up like before i remember like when when the genius website first came out I was like this is amazing because this is like all I spend my time doing and so I thought it would be cool to include you know the things that inspired me to almost give that extra kind of cherry or that extra like treasure hunt for people who care (laughs) about that. I mean I, I grew up being the only one of my friends who would spend time reading the liner notes and and these days I still do for, for similar reasons. I mean, although I've been around in, in the business long enough now where it, part of me is also hoping that I'll see someone that I recognize, you know, in the thank mm-hmm. yous or something like that. But, man, if, if if any of my favorite artists had did that back in the day, I think I just would have I would never have come out of my room because talk about the <laughs> rabbit holes that you fall down. <laughs> yeah, it's such a cool idea. You mentioned Afrofuturism, uh, and I'll admit mm-hmm. I was not familiar with that term, and I, I was wondering if you could uh, if you could actually talk about what that is a little bit because it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's a really vast concept, and I think it's there's a lot of a lot of different ways I think you could define it. But to me, I think about artists like Sun Ra and Octavia Butler, and the ways in which for Black people it's a pretty revolutionary act to imagine us in the future and space and kind of the historical absence of black people in science fiction it almost implies well you're not going to survive to the future so there's no vision for you there and so it's kind of this way of thinking and this way of creating that imagines black people in the future but also allows you to kind of reimagine the past and so Octavia Butler has this amazing book called Kindred where it's all about this modern day black woman who somehow like falls, like finds this time portal in her living room and falls back in time into slavery where she's like an an enslaved woman and enslaved by the same family who owned her ancestors. And she has to kind of figure out how to like navigate her way out of that. And so it's kind of this idea of like playing with time and playing with imagination through the lens of black people and our experiences and kind of, you know, allowing us to have a more, a vast existence than just this present moment. And with that, I mean, maybe it's not lost on you, but you really, with talking about, you know, family history and and what you were just saying there, I mean, you, this album encompasses all of space and time in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost yeah. literally. Yeah, definitely thinking a lot about time and thinking a lot about Again, like with the muddy parallel and even someone like Zora Neale Hurston, who I think you're saying some songs maybe sound like you don't know if I'm talking about me or about them. And like, I really did find a lot of common threads. And so like, you know, someone like Zora, who wrote a lot about being a black person, often in in an all white environment, like I super related to that growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in in Chicago, which was like my family was one of the only black families. And so there's this way where 
yeah, it did kind of feel like reaching through time to find like these people who I was feeling like I was on the same wavelength as them, even though in a very different kind of context. So having guests on a record like this, uh, Nitty Scott, Saba, uh, do you have a conversation with them about, you know, when they take to the mic, like, hey, here's the idea, here's the concept. How do they fit into it in the way that you do you need them to fit into it? Yeah, I think one of the things was I, I was just super familiar with pretty much all of this, their work beforehand. So it was like I knew I could just trust whatever it was that they wanted to bring to the song already. Like, yeah, I did give them, like, I remember, like, with Sabo, like, I wrote down, this is the interview I watched with Basquiat. Like, this is why I related to it. Here's the link. You can watch it. But I really want you to say whatever you have to say, like, in relation to that. Or, like, like we're having a conversation about this thing that we just watched that we just found and so it was it was pretty much like and a lot of it like I wasn't there like I kind of um would send them like kind of the note about like what inspired me and kind of let them do their thing and so it it kind of really happened that I think because I kind of intentionally chose them thinking that they might relate to the subject it didn't really feel forced at least to me at all because it just felt like oh you know they're going to add their perspective and it's just going to make it that much richer. And it fits in so perfectly. I mean, it honestly does. Yeah. Yeah. Jamila, uh, again, congratulations, legacy, legacy. I'm a huge fan of it. We love it around here at WFBK too. And, uh, and man, I I can't, you know, wait to see what comes next. I'm a greedy fan at this point. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for the support. I really appreciate that. Anytime, every time. Thank you so much too. And, uh, and have a great day and, and take care. All right, you too. Bye. My thanks to Jamila Woods. Again, the new record is called Legacy Legacy. Now, back in 2017, Jamila had just released her album called Heaven and had signed to the record Jack Jaguar. That's the first time we caught up to talk about that record, collaborating with Chance the Rapper, the single Holy, her soul background, falling in love with poetry, and giving back to the community that had already given her so much. Part two of Kyle Meredith. With Jamila Woods. Hello. I kind of like to start by clearing up a little bit. Uh, I know you just signed to Jag Jaguar, one of my favorite labels. So congratulations mm-hmm. to that. And they're going to be. How is it happening? Are they going to be re-releasing Heaven? And is Holy a part of that, or is it on its own? Yeah. So we are going to be re-releasing Heaven this summer, and Holy is a part of it. Yeah. There's going to be two different versions. The ones that we just released, the, the original one, and then kind of a, a reprised version. Um, so I'm really excited for it to come out again and hopefully have an even wider audience this time. Yeah, which is crazy to think of, especially after all the accolades you got at the end of 2016, because, you know, for something that just existed basically on, like, SoundCloud, uh, that thing was seemed to be everywhere. Yeah, it's exciting to think of, um, you know, I put it out with Close Sessions, which is a local Chicago label, and it's a really cool partnership that, that we have now with Jag Jaguar, um, and it's just going to hopefully do even reach even more people than yeah. it did before. As far as your music goes, you know, one of the first things I guess I noticed and was impressed, and I, I, I could put this on the a lot of the Chicago scene that I'm hearing right now, and I, I feel like that's always part of your story is the bigger scene in itself, because mm-hmm. what I hear is like, I don't know, it seems like um, you're doubling down on putting soul back into hip hop. 
I hear that from a lot of folks mm. up there. And even with you, there's, there's this, there's this, I don't know, it feels like there's as much spiritualism, both personal and, and maybe faith-based as there is activism. Like mm. where, where does that all come from? And uh, am I accurate on that? Do you see it as that way as well? Mm. I think, um, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I think there's definitely a tradition of soul music in Chicago and how that kind of, even in, in previous, you know, I mean, current hip hop artists from Chicago, it's kind of been a scene, you know, Kanye West used a lot of soul and gospel influence and common. And it's, I think a very Chicago thing, but for me, I think all those things you're saying, like soul, like my faith background, activism, to me, they, kind of come from being coming up doing poetry and um, I think poetry was what kind of gave me it, it allowed me to know what to write about whether I'm writing a poem or a song I think I was kind of introduced to the idea that everyone has a story worth telling and there's no story too boring or too um, kind of disparate to make make sense um, and so when I started doing poetry in high school it kind of empowered me to trust in my voice, not only as a poet, but as a singer. And I think ever since then, it made sense to me to use like elements of hip hop, like sampling or kind of making allusions and to kind of bring those elements into my songwriting. And so it's not really, I think it's definitely using hip hop elements. And in, the, in that sense, it makes sense that because hip hop is all about kind of recontextualizing things. And um, so it makes sense to have gospel next to like a reference from an Incubus song <laughs> next to Afrofuturistic kind of lyrics. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. It of. does. And by the way, that's been the other fun part of, of listening to your music is finding those little, they're not really hidden gems in there, but like the Incubus reference, obviously the cure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. stuff like I, I don't I don't know if that's you know just a natural thing that comes out of you and you go with it or if you thought to yourself I'm really going to have fun with this and bring in these other elements as you were talking about. Yeah, I think it it kind of it's partially just for me I'm having fun with myself I guess and I definitely love that you know when people are kind of excited to kind of Easter egg hunt through the albums to see what references they they recognize and to me it kind of feels like. Um, also thinking of hip-hop as like a collage art form, like what am I bringing into a new song with me that kind of tells something about who I am in that sense, like I'm adding to a collage, but I'm also bringing in something that is important to me or says something about who I am. And I get that from the album too, because there is definitely the activism and and the bigger picture stuff that you're talking about on the record, but a lot of this is about self-empowerment. Uh, probably as much for you as, you know, hopefully to to other people listening to it. Yeah, I that's definitely a big part of it. It was a lot about thinking about love and kind of going deeper than maybe how I was, what I was taught love was, you know, kind of thinking about self-love and com- like love of your community and things like that and hoping to, hoping that comes across in, in the different songs. Uh, the poetry part of things, what what drew you to poetry in the first place? It's natural for some people, but not for everyone. Yeah, it was actually kind of by accident. Um, it was there's an after school program in Chicago, and it was like a really kind of prestigious, not prestigious, but like popular program because it, it paid you to do art after school and in wow. the summer. And I applied for the 
music program, um, and I didn't get into that one. I got put into the poetry one. And so at first I was kind of upset, but um, I ended up falling in love with it. And I think it was, you know, I had grew up singing in choirs and not really thinking I had the type of voice that was could be a solo voice or could be a solo artist. And it was really, like I said, through poetry that I realized that it's not about focusing on what you don't have or, like, the stories that you can't tell. But, you know, if you spend all your time doing that, you'll never realize what you do have and what you can do with your voice and the stories that you do have. So that was really that program. And then after that, staying involved in poetry communities is how I became empowered as as an artist and also how I met. Um, a bunch of collaborators and because I think in Chicago especially the poetry and music communities poetry and hip-hop communities are very overlapping yeah and is that what drove you to start uh, or be a part of is it a collective is it a program that uh, the with poetry yeah young Chicago authors it's a, a non-profit organization it's, I work there now and um, we run the largest youth poetry festival in the world called louder than a bomb and um, it's actually spread around the country also. And I think it's in Chicago, we run an open mic every every week. And it's kind of a hub for artists who want to kind of meet each other and just hear new work and get inspired. And that's definitely where I spent a lot of time. That's where I did my first ever musical performance. And it's, it's a really good audience because it's a very listening audience. And I think that's something about my music, too, is I really coming from a poetry background, care about the lyrics and kind of the storytelling that's happening through the words. And I like performing at poetry spaces sometimes because of that, how people are really listening for the words and and the lyrics of what I'm saying. It's it's very traditional folk artist type of uh, description right there. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the other part that I I, sort of notice about what all's going on up there is that you have these great musicians, yourself included, obviously, you know, whether you call it a scene or not, want to, but any other time, you know, when you have those around the, the country and they happen here and there and, and a bunch of people, you know, start doing great things and it's usually just about the music. And here I see that you all are all seeming to give back. You're putting as much back into mm. the community as you're, as you're getting. And that's completely respectable. Mm-hmm. Where does that come yeah. from? I, that's a good question. I think for me, um, it comes from even, you know, how I, I found my first kind of transformative poetic experience at YCA, Young Chicago Authors. I knew I wanted to go back and work there even before I knew really that, you know, I was doing music or anything like that. I think a lot of Chicago and especially artists have these experiences where these organizations or these communities really influence us and there's really no industry in Chicago. There's no kind of, you know, any day the mayor could change his mind about something and then a program's gone. So it's kind of this idea that we have to sustain ourselves. And so I think that is, at least for me, where it comes from, the idea of wanting to give back and wanting to not be, you know, not just not be like a, a random happening of like, oh, these, these people are really making it out of Chicago right now. That's not going to continue to happen unless we invest in these community spaces and artistic spaces and youth arts education spaces that make it possible for artists to really, you know, kind of harness their voices and be successful as artists. 
That's beautiful. And I hope that catches and spreads because, you know, the, the old adage and nearly cliche line of there's no more important time than now, but I feel that more than ever, that there's no more important time than now that people start picking up, you know, that, that torch and running with it the way you guys have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great. Uh, the rest of the year, so the album gets re-released this, uh, this summer, as you're saying. Uh, you seem to be always popping up on other folks' tracks. Is it going to be more of that as well? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, there's, there's a really great rapper named Joseph Chilliam. I don't know if you know Saba, um, but it's his brother, and he's putting out a project, and I have a song with him. Yeah, so there's always more collaborations coming and also working on my own new music, too. With that, I mean, the album is a year old. Uh, are you already, I would guess, working on the next one? Yeah, definitely writing more. Definitely writing more things and also um, working on learning more elements of production, too, so I can kind of be on both sides of that for the next album. Um, but, yeah, I'm still working with a lot of the same producers who are on Heaven, like Odd Couple and really um and working with my sister ayana woods who produced one of the songs too so definitely working on new stuff cool well i'm looking forward to hearing it all and thanks again for taking the time today i love what you're doing out there congratulations and uh, and good luck thank you good all to right. talk to you thanks you, you too uh, take care thanks you too right. bye, bye. Jamila Woods, that one's back from a 2017 interview talking about her debut record called Heaven. Of course, again, the new record is called Legacy Legacy, and it's out now. And that'll do it for this edition. Before you get out of here, again, if you're already a subscriber, uh, hey, give the series a rating or leave a review or just say hi in a comment box somewhere. Tell me where you're listening from or what you dug about the interview or any questions you might have. And if you're not a subscriber, now is the, your, uh, your, your opportunity. Hit the subscribe button uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and all the rest of them. After that, you can head to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of new songs, anniversary celebrations, music news, interview clips, and so much more. That's WFPK.org, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.